Hello, I'm Constitutional Attorney Katherine Henry, and welcome to the Constitution Segment Recap for Season 2, Episode 11 of Restore Freedom Weekly. This is just a simple recap, so to get all of the discussion from the details we covered on Tuesday, go ahead and watch that full episode, the link for which is on page 2 of this slideshow, and as always, the link for this slideshow is in the description of today's segment. Now, on Tuesday, we discussed the nonsense of our laws and key tips on how to win court cases. We also started off with our uh, weekly true or false question, which is now only available through our YouTube or Telegram channels, but you can go to restore, excuse me, you can go to t.me slash restore freedom or youtube.com slash restore freedom and check those out every Tuesday at 10 a.m. By 10 a.m. they're posted and by 10 p.m. you have to have that answered and as the answers will be posted there. So go ahead and make sure to check those out every week. Now, this week, like I said, we covered the nonsense of our laws. Now, I'm not going to go into all the details, but the main points you need to realize is that our laws, our laws are too complex. There's too many of them. They're too contradictory and they're cherry picked by government officials. Is any of this acceptable in a constitutional republic? No. What does this mean? Our legislators, our courts, our attorneys, everyone has a job to do and get those bad laws off the books, which quite frankly, I would say would be 95% of laws need to be stricken off the books. So let's start working. And that would be in every state across the country. Now, another key point, every word in a law has a specific meaning. Now, sometimes it's going to be the generally accepted meaning that you would find in, a, in the definitions, um, in the dictionary uh, for that particular word. But what you really need to do is to make sure you know what meaning is meant by each. You need to look in this order for um, the word to see if it is defined. Number one, you want to look in that particular law. If it's not there, you want to look at any applicable laws. If it's not there, you want to go to the Black's Law Dictionary. And if it's not there, then you need to go to a reputable general dictionary like Webster's or the Cambridge one. So quick word on appeals. You don't always have the right to appeal like you might otherwise think you would. Sometimes you actually have to have the court's permission, the appellate court's permission to have your case be heard. Now, these two options where you have the right or you have to seek permission are called different things in different states. Here you have the examples of what it is in Florida and Michigan, and we talked a lot more in detail about that, but take a look at um, some of the wording that's used in both of those states. Now, why the good guys often lose in court, especially when they're representing themselves or are appearing pro se or in pro per. Number one, they don't understand or know the underlying law. Take a look at our Wednesday Way to Get Involved Challenge from this week to make sure that you are getting yourself in the groove of grasping what the underlying laws are in any particular situation. You can do it. You just have to put in the effort. Number two, that you wouldn't know the underlying relevant procedures. Now, the procedures might be in state law. They might be in court rules. They might be in an internal operating procedure guide like the Michigan Supreme Court has. Uh, they could be really in a wide variety of places. But take a look at that Wednesday Way to Get Involved Challenge to get a little bit more background and, and experience in, um, in knowing what those relevant procedures might be in your next situation. Number three, that the judge doesn't know the laws or the relevant procedures. Yes, that does happen, and it happens far too often. Sometimes they'll actually admit it. Sometimes they pretend like they know everything. But regardless, 
It is your job to go into these situations when you are representing yourself or representing others. It's your job to respectfully educate the court on what the law and the proper procedures are. In order to do that, number four is you, you might not be getting it done if you're not telling a clear, consistent, and cohesive story throughout presenting your case. Now, what does that mean? Number one, you want to start with having a theory of the case. We talked about that in detail before. We'll see some examples of all these in just a moment. Number two, you want to use graphics, charts, and pictures as much as possible. Don't overdo it, but make sure you're using them whenever you can because a picture is worth a thousand words. Break apart or break um, down complex parts of the law or your arguments into bullet points because it visually is a lot more pleasing and mentally more digestible. Use your table of contents or in Florida it seems to be called an index and your PDF bookmarks wisely. Now, you'll see the next several slides there uh, with a black background here, and they each have an orange link. That URL, when you have the slideshow open on your device, you can click on those links. They're all clickable, and that will take you to the actual page where you can you know, scroll through these documents uh, themselves and not just be stuck looking at a tiny little screenshot. But this first one is just showing you how I laid out the bookmarks in this particular PDF. This is a brief that I filed with the Michigan Court of Appeals and how my table of contents looked, how I worded it and how I broke it down in, in the different subjects. This next example is how I used my theory of the case, but is also showing you how I was doing different bullet pointing uh, and breaking down different arguments to make it more simple and clear cut and in your face about this is it. This is as simple as it is uh, and, and go from there. So uh, you can see here that um, I started off my very first two sentences with my argument to the Court of Appeals was um, talking about how the prosecutor was arguing that this is a simple case of prohibited parking, but I contend that it's a constitutional catastrophe. And I went throughout to talk about why that is. So I kept that theme going throughout all of my documents at every level, appellate or trial level. And it's something that um, you want to make sure to do in your case. This is showing you how I used a chart to represent the similarities between the Marsh v. Alabama case from the United States Supreme Court versus my case. And uh, very, very clear analogy uh, where I definitely could not be held legally responsible for what they claim was a violation of the law uh, because the Supreme Court has already dealt with that a long time ago. This is the example of how I used bookmarks on my most recent, um, the um, Ormond Beach uh, magistrate hearing. It's a little bit more informal, so you can see I kind of blended some of my argument pieces with the rest of them is, um, they're actually like the exhibits or attachments and documents. Um, and so you can kind of see some examples there. Again, there's the link right here in orange, so you can click on that to, um, I'll move that so you can see, there it is. But, uh, and here is the table of contents page for the um, initial argument that I presented to them in November. Here's an example of using some pictures and, and there's actually some captions that I use that you can't see in the screenshot, but you can see when you access the document. But they tried to tell me that I can't have uh, a shed or any kind of structure right up to the property line, but yet here's pictures of where there's a shed right up to the fence on a property line, another shed by, right by their fence. 
um, that I have to have a permit. Yet these uh, these sheds right here never had a permit to be installed, and um, that I can't have a shipping container at all. Yet there's actually shipping containers being used right in this city for that very reason. So. Um, also, they wanted to talk about that my pavers or whatever, my parking area needed a permit and it has to be a certain way, et cetera, et cetera. I can show by these two pictures here. Actually, I think it might be the same picture and I just broke it down so you could see it, um, that there is a stone, which is not allowed, stone parking extension in installed with the city knowledge. Um, it's actually installed with their knowledge that I have evidence of other things, but look, there's also Ormond Beach police parked there on a regular basis. And um, it was not only done that way, but it was done without a permit and they're okay with that. So this is just showing some of those cherry picking examples. This shows, this map that I used has different colors. It's a zoning map actually, but the teal stars show exactly where all of the 810 violations are within a quarter mile radius of my house. So almost every single lot has a violation about permit, pavers, parking, you know, you name it, what they're trying to come after me for, uh, clearly showing that it's cherry picking here. This is part of the chart or um, spreadsheet that I was showing the different kinds. I did color coding so you could see the different kinds of violations. Um, but some key points that I want you to keep in mind, I don't have time to talk about right now, but um, they are key points that I want you to remember. So I left these here in the slideshow and want you to remember them. So make sure that you remember where your rights come from, from God not the government. And take a look at that Wednesday Way to Get Involved Challenge for this week, the Friday Freedom Fighting Tools that we'll have for you tomorrow, that full episode that we had on Tuesday. And as always, join us again next week for our next full episode of Restore Freedom Weekly. Make sure to like, follow, subscribe, and share Restore Freedom.